Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. There's, um, <coughs> there's a teaching that um, that I'm I'm very um, I think I'm very excited about. All right, I I love uh, that. Uh, you know, when I come to a class like this where I don't have to give a title six months in advance about what I'm going to, you know, so it's, it's open. So, so this morning when I woke up, I'm like, oh, tonight we have the group. What, what is the... And so these days, there's one thing that come, uh, that come often to mind. It's like, oh, I want to I talk about this because I, I like this. It's, it's, I hope it's going to work for you because it's extremely simple, yet not, you know. <laughs> But uh, I can't remember when this was, maybe a year ago now, or something like this. There was a, I was listening to a teacher in a retreat, and the teacher said, you know, in, in, the, in the Buddhist um, uh, pedagogy, pedag- pe- pedagogy, pedagogy, there's, there's, a, there's a way to throw the word <laughs> that is English. And I, sometimes there's a few words like, Pedagogy, <laughs> something like this anyway. Uh, in the Buddhist uh, teachings, we have a lot of the list, you know, and I, and I think I know them all, you know. But, uh, but uh, when this teacher was giving, uh, suddenly said, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a list <laughs> that you might not know. And he was talking about um, the arising of uh, wisdom, of uh, wise understanding, of, uh, we could say, of liberating understanding. And he said that in the text, there is um, two cause for the arising of wisdom. And uh, if, if, you're, if you're like me at that moment, and it, uh, how I was at that moment, maybe I go more simply like this, I went like, oh, you know the two causes for the arising of wisdom? I want to know. Because for me, wisdom equals uh, freedom. The more wisdom there is in my life, the deeper the level of understanding of the world, uh, the freer I am, it seems, in this world. You know, uh, The more at peace I am with the world. So when the teacher said, I want to name two causes for the arising of wisdom, I was very intrigued and I said, I, I really want to know what are these things that cause wisdom because I can sure use it and, and I want to put them, uh, uh, yeah. So, and he said, the um, wisdom can arise through uh, the voice of another and it can arise through uh, wise attention. So, Okay, that's it. <laughs> okay, it's, uh, Pascal, I drove all the way from Corto Madeira. 
don't give me just this. <laughs> you know? What I like and what touched me when I heard this was, uh, was the, the truth for me. I recognized the truth of it. It was extremely simple, but also very true because I could kind of... Um, it really touched me, this, this teaching, I have to tell you. I had you, you could, almost like a flashback or a life review, you could say like, I, I just saw, wow, it's true that the wisdom that I've gained in my life has been through hearing somebody <laughs> tell me something at some point, you know, and my availability or the angle they came through, you know, like they said something and whoops. I gained understanding on something that I didn't see right that suddenly was clarified, you know. And, uh, and I have many examples of this in my practice life over the years of, uh, uh, you know, practicing and going to classes and sitting retreats and listening to talks, you know. There's been so many ways that I've been awakened or, or freed by the voice, the wise voice of another, you know when it is wise, of course, you know, and it can be uh, heard. And, uh, I mean, I'm sitting here, this, this is Jack's land, you know, Jack's. <laughs> and uh, I've, like you, we, we, I think we could say we had, many of us anyway, had the chance of, uh, of um, listening to his words of wisdom and how it can accompany us during the week and in our life, in our struggles and uh, so this. And so one of the cause, yeah, so the voice of another, so maybe I'll talk a little bit about this and then we'll come back on the, the wise attention. How many of you were here last week? How many of you? Okay. So uh, Maybe I'll retell in my own, with my own, to my own perceptions, a, a little something that happened to me where there was really the voice of another that was uh, freeing. And if you were not there, then you'll get it kind of secondhand, you know. But um, so last week there was a Gavin Harrison who was here, uh, doing, giving, uh, offering a teaching, uh, leading the class. For me, it was a very special night. Maybe I do a little parenthesis there. When I, was, uh, when I was 25 years old, maybe some of you know, I, I learned that I was HIV positive. That's almost 20 years ago now. And at that time, there was a lot of confusion and, uh, and yeah, there was a lot of distress and confusion. Let's put it just like that. And one, uh, the f I think the first book that I read by chance, I was traveling in Thailand and I in a used book for traveler stuff, you know, I got a book in the lap of the Buddha. It was a book by Gavin, and uh, it was uh, the voice of a gay man talking about uh, their practice and the life with HIV. And it was an amazing entrance for me in this practice because there was uh, similarities there. I could, oh, you know, I, there was something in there. So, some, I want to say brotherhood or something, but I had never met Gavin or seen him. And I actually came to teach the retreat and I, uh, I came, I made a mistake. I came 24 hours earlier 
I, I was supposed to have a meeting at 4.30 for the retreat that was starting in the evening and I arrived here at 4.30 and there was no retreatants and there was not the feel of a beginning of a retreat. There was people working on rooms and things and trucks and I, was, I don't recognize, it doesn't, that doesn't quite work, you know. And they, and they said, oh, no, it's tomorrow, Pascal, you were a day earlier. I'm like, oh, well, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go jogging. So I was go jogging and I see there's a sign there, like, oh, what's happening these days at the community hall, you know? And then I see Gavin Harrison at 7.15. And, sorry. I felt very lucky and I thought, oh, I know what I'm doing tonight, you know, I'm going to come here and uh, listen to him and at the break, if possible, I'm going to come forward and say, hey, you mean a lot to me, you know, your work. And anyway, I got to meet Gavin and spend a few hours with him also the next day, it's a lovely being and it was nice. But all this to say, that the evening that we were sitting here, Gavin was offering his poetry and his, uh, his wisdom in a very beautiful way. And at the end of the evening, there was an opening for a Q&A. And there was a young person that was sitting there. And this young person uh, took the microphone and they started describing their inner life in a very, um, in a very honest and a very... Uh, yeah, in a very uh, honest way, uh, talking about, and again, this is my take on it, this is what I, what I, what, how I understood what was happening, but there's this very accurate description of um, confusion and uh, some amount of self-hatred or self-judgment, but very, uh, very, very accurate, very, uh, you could see that there was a lot of mindfulness there, this person was seeing the inner life really clearly in a way that, uh, and they described this and they, they said it gets the better of me all the time. I try to be mindful. I try to do the practice the best I can, but it, it takes the, be the better of me. It, it kind of wins all the time, you know, and how can I, how can I find a way out? It's, you know, kind of a, some, some maybe despair in there. Uh, and uh, Gavin, in his really unique and beautiful way, did something he had done during the evening, but this one stood out even more. He just very spontaneously stood up and went straight to the young person, you know, not just like Q&A, like we uh, usually do in this conventional form that I'm probably going to respect, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> but very Gavin-like, you know, you, you just, I mean, it's not like I know him from 20 years, I didn't know him <coughs> at all, but it seems like the being is like this, you know. Went straight to the person, with, and they were both sitting with the microphone, and, uh, and Gavin started to tell him how, it, and, and I think we could all see this, those of us who were in the room, I don't know how many of us, there was a little bit more than us, I don't know if it's 100, 150 people, but all the attention was on the, this young person and then on the exchange between the two. And to me, I was sitting just where you are, and I had like a good angle on the young person, and the only thing I could see during that description 
was their amazing beauty, like the, the beauty of, a, of, a, of the beingness, you know, not just the, not the physical beauty, but the depth of the beauty of a human being. And Gavin went straight on this person and started through his words of poetry, through maybe the poetry of Afiz, through spontaneously born poetry, telling them how beautiful they were, you know. And it was very interesting. He, he was talking to him, and I, could, I couldn't see Gavin, but I could see the young person. And the young person, my, my uh, kind of take on what was happening is the young person was really taking it in, but as if they were really far, you know, and like, I hear, I hear the voice, you know, like it's almost reaching, you know, like, but they were gathering the words at least for sure with a lot of attention, <laughs> taking it in, you know, and he was saying, can't you see that you came here, this coming here, this quest, this mindfulness that you describe, this way of being aware of uh, the confusion in the heart, all this, you know, it was this, this is so beautiful, you're so doing it, there's so much beauty in you. And there was this listening, and there was this silence in the room, and everybody was really there, and I could see like the voice of another, and it's as if Gavin was throwing, emotional being, like many of us, you just have to, allow for the waves to pass, as if he was throwing, you know, some rescue, something, you know, and, and you could see that, that something was happening there, you know, it was, it was very beautiful, and to me there was this, uh, the wisdom, I could see, this young person is going to be impressed by the words, you know, they're going to, find their place, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna be uh, like a boy, boy, yeah, boué. Ah, comme en français, boué. Et voilà. And uh, so this is the power of speech in our life, you know, speech can destroy we know that. But speech can be an amazing tool. I mean, we have the words of the Buddha from amongst other uh, voices of wisdom, but 2,500 years, these words are still resonating, being passed, you know. And when we read the text, we see that a lot of the awakening moments are not exactly through meditation. They're through the Buddha speaking and somebody, and it says in the text, if you are familiar with some of it happens all the time, you see, and the person got it. They really got it and they were liberated, you know? And, or 500 people got it. Everybody who was there got it through the words of wisdom, you know? Uh, and so, uh, so one cause, the voice of another, and another cause is the wise attention. And imagine when the two are mixed together, when there is wise attention to the wise voice of another, how potent that can be, you know? And I've seen uh, this in me also, the hearing uh, teaching and being particularly quiet, particularly available or attentive, 
and how it can resonate, how it can touch and free the power of that. It's interesting to, um, maybe just a little piece of information here, the Buddha didn't have access to two cause for the arising of uh, wisdom. And that's why he's called a Buddha, or that's why a person is called a Buddha. It's because they find the wisdom by themselves without hearing the voice of another. That's what it's. That's how we call a Buddha. Somebody who found the way by through their own attention, their own uh, careful attention to what is actually happening. And and he got free. He clarified in the mind heart all the confusion in the uh, about uh, life and uh, about the heart. I don't know how to say it better right now. So we have that chance of having two cause, so double the chance from the Buddha to awake. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the second cause, maybe a few words on this, the wise, uh, the wise attention. I read something also not too long ago that I really enjoyed reading. It made me think of how I spend my day. So it's from the text and it says, there is the case where an untaught ordinary person who has no regard for noble ones and is unskilled and undisciplined in their dharma. So there is the case where an untaught ordinary person does not understand what things are fit for attention and what things are unfit for attention. Since that is so, they attend to those things unfit for attention and do not and does not attend to those things fit for attention. And for me, this um, clarifying what is fit for my attention and what is unfit for my attention, I would say is a big part of the path. And I can see that I'm pretty deluded on that level, that I really believe that some things are really fit for my attention and I gave them a lot of attention. And in these teachings, and they're very available, it, it helps us find out what is fit for our attention. <coughs> fit and unfit for attention, the way I understand it means unfit for my attention would lead to entanglement, trouble. Fit for my attention would mean liberating, freeing the heart. You know? And so I can see that I can spend a lot of time thinking about who I could be, who I could have been. You know, I named the HIV uh, 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 earlier tonight. I, I spent a lot of time, not anymore, but there was a number of years that I spent thinking of how my life would be without 
that. Mm -hmm. And I would give it a lot of attention, and I thought it was fit for my attention. I would go to bed at night, and to suit me, or so I thought, oh, if I didn't have this, you know, it would be easy, easier to meet people. I, you know, I didn't, wouldn't have to refrigerate uh, medication. It would be easier to move around, this and that, you know. And you can imagine the complexity that comes with that particular thing, and we all have different things like this, but I was giving it a lot of it and comparing other like, oh, their life, look at that life without that disease, you know. That life is a better life than mine, you know. I wish I had that life, you know, and like this. So it was unfit for my attention, but one day I was on retreat and I was uh, sitting there uh, and then I came back from a train of thought like we do in meditation, or only me maybe, <laughs> maybe not you, your attention is steady and so, so I was a little gone in my thoughts and I, suddenly I came back as we do, we remember, oh, I had the intention to be here, you know, it's a, apparently it's more fit for my attention, you know, I'd rather be out there but apparently, <laughs> you know, so you come back, check in for a few seconds. And uh, at that moment when I came back, I just noticed that this, uh, this construction of the mind, and that's what I was doing at that moment, I was thinking about the other life, you know. And I noticed that when I was coming back to this one, there was a, some kind of dejection, because, you know, like the other one was the perfect life, you know, where everything was pleasant, everybody was lovely, because there was no HIV in that case. The life was perfect. For you it would be if there was not that colleague at work, your life would be perfect, or if there was not that ailment or that thing, you know. And so I just came back and, thought, and really <laughs> saw clearly that it was not fit for my attention. It was actually, it was a construction of the mind. It was a fiction that was not there at all. It, it was a, a generation of the mind, of a trance, that had nothing to do with reality. And suddenly it, was a, it became apparent that, oh, I could actually be with this reality. I could think of another reality or this reality, but I could also be with it, be there for it. So imagine somebody who has a chronic, uh, chronic uh, pain, or, and this person spend a lot of time thinking about their chronic pain as opposed to being, learning how to be with it. Which one do you think is a better choice of attention? Yeah, I mean, and that, it's not easy things to do, but that's why we're talking about it here, to say like, what things are fit for my attention, better fit for my attention? So it says, if you're not too convinced about it, suspense. He said that the unfit way that we attend to things will make um, the hindrances arise. So if you know a little bit about this Buddhist teaching, you'll, you'll go, oh, no, not the hindrances. 
because the hindrances are difficult states of mind, basically, we could say. You know, the wanting something else than what is there, resisting what is there, you know, so the aversion to what is, or the wanting something else, or the, the incapacity to meet what is there because this interest, this not enough energy to actually meet reality. Oh, no, I have to do this phone call. I can't believe I have to do this phone call, phone call, you know, not do the phone call or do the phone call, you know. Or too much energy, I'm so much energy, I keep thinking, hyper-planning, you know, uh, so I cannot connect with reality because I'm too much in my head, obsessed with something, you know. Could, do you recognize some of these? <laughs> or in doubt, you know, like not sure, not sure, should, should I do, should I not do, 18 years later, not, not too sure, <laughs> should I, should I not. <laughs> we laugh, but, uh, and it's good, it's good, it's allowed, it's good. And also, these are very difficult uh, mind states to be in. And it says that when we don't, our, we put our attention on what is not fit or in an unfitted way, it will nurture these. Just one little thing to add here. These mind states are difficult to be in. So that would be enough. You would say, okay, they're difficult to be in. That's enough reason to actually get, get rid of them or clarify them or, you know, accompany them to the exit, you know, in the best way that we can. But it's not only this, it's that these difficult mind states, and to me that's a very important point, and you might agree or not, but these difficult mind states, yes, they're hard to feel, but they also alter perception in a stressful way. So when I'm dejected, I see reality as hopeless. It really appears like this. It's a perception. It's a perception that is uh, suffused with the, the mind state. You know, it's, uh, it's offered by the mind state, but it appears in a certain way. If I have a kind of a clinging kind of desire, it's not only difficult, like I need that. If I don't have that, I can't be happy. I really need this, that. I have to have it, you know. It's difficult to be in that. But also, it changes my perception. This thing outside really look like it's so desirable and it's it and it's really going to provide my happiness. <coughs> so in this way, I become really deluded. It, it appears more and more like it, you know. And we can see this, that when we regain clarity of mind at some point about things like this, oh, yeah, well... You know, it was, okay, it was an important, but it didn't actually totally do it. Do you, do you, are you following me? It's like, oh, I was a little deluded, you know, like I, I was, it really seemed like, you know, you know, I, I, it's on a very small scale and on a huge scale, but I, I really want to, I don't know, I really want to see this movie. They said it was a really good movie. I really want to see this movie. I want to, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good movie. You know, it was touching, but didn't solve my <laughs> life, you know. I'm using movie here, but there's something else in your heart that you can touch on from your life currently or in the past, you know, that this, I absolutely need this, you know. And there's a, maybe I'll read you another little quote that I particularly like. This is from an old text from at least a thousand years ago, maybe more. It says, whatever person 
is greedy for fields and property or gold, cows or horses, <laughs> relations or various objects of desire. So whatever person is greedy for fields, property or various objects of desire, listen to that bit. That's, that's the bit. Whatever person is for various objects of desire, the powerless is going to overpower them. The powerless is going to overpower them. Trouble will press them down. Thus unease will come to them like water in a broken boat. It was very interesting, like I had a hit when I, wrote, I, wrote, I read this particular part that the powerless will overpower them. And I see how it, how, how it is, like if I'm obsessed, kind of obsessed with maybe somebody or something that I, you know, I really think will provide, some, the, suddenly the powerless can, can, uh, can become uh, overpowering. I have a little story about this, an example of this. A few years back, I went to teach to, uh, in Samish Island in Washington State. It was the spring and the rhododendrons were in full bloom. It was amazing. I had never seen this because in Quebec, the rhododendrons, <coughs> they really wish they could have a life. <laughs> but it's not really a possibility there. And over there, they were like, like it was the ultimate rhododendron experience. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting in the hall with people like this during the retreat. And I was often thinking about like, when I go out at lunchtime, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the island on the bike, maybe I can see more rhododendrons. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, and when it's the walking meditation, I'll try to sneak out before the yogis, because there's a place where the rhododendron in the back is really nice. you know. And, and, and uh, you know, and suddenly I realized, wow, you know, the rhododendrons, I, I've overpowered my mind. <laughs> like I, I became like, I, you know, they... So I used this little, little comic-ish version of this to... So maybe you can see, some of us can see that, oh, okay. I can see something, you know, that is, you know. And in the same way, you know, talking about the dis-ease that I have, uh, I really thought that not having it would be what would provide happiness, to realize that actually it's not like this, it doesn't work like this. My happiness doesn't come from the circumstances. It comes from my response, from my capacity to meet with balance, with uh, commitment, what is happening. And it doesn't mean that uh, acceptance will mean that I'll do nothing about the circumstances. It means it's my capacity to engage, oh, this is what's happening now. Let me be in that life instead of the other where they would not have said that, where they would not be, okay, this is the life we're in. Even globally, socially, uh, even as 
you know, in terms of maybe oppression, if I'm in a targeted group, I could dream of not being in that targeted group, you know. And it happens to me as a gay man sometimes, you know. But I can see that my, some of my freedom of mind will be from being willing to be in that world with these people, accepting that this is how it is right now and that maybe it's unacceptable. Do you see? Accepting that this is how it is and that I'll do everything to make it more just. You know? So it's kind of a subtle grounds here maybe, but the practice clarifies this for us. So when we put our attention in, in a certain way, it might be unfit for our attention and we entang- it's entangling. It gets tighter and more caught and these difficult states of mind will come. When I put my attention in a way that is fit for my attention, it's known to be liberating. And one thing that I see in my practice, in the practice of the students that I meet, is that when they use well their attention, there's another group of qualities that starts to arise. There's more balance in their mind, more calm in their mind, more uh, energy available. They get uh, enthusiastic about their life and their practice and the meeting the challenges. This is very freeing. Do you recognize? Imagine there's a challenge in your life a diagnosis, a loss of someone, and there's a, suddenly there's this, you have available, and it's not always like this in the mind, of course, but that you could, could be created the condition that there would be an interest to actually be there for that. Let me be there for that challenge. An energy available. Some kind of curiosity, some kind of... Uh, engagement. So these quality comes when the attention is well placed or in a, in a good manner. So there's uh, the balance of mind, there's the contentment that suddenly is available. So I'm sitting here, I see this more, this being didn't have so much of this, but I sit here sometimes and the body is not, you might know of that, is not perfectly, you know, light and bubbly and uh, spacious, you know, it's like it's a little some, something and it moves from day to day or there's some things that, you know, like I sit there and it's not the perfect flowing body, it's the crooked experience maybe more, I don't know how to say it exactly, but you know, it's pulsing a little too much, a little too hard. And I can see that now there's like, there's this calm, oh, unpleasant, oh, pretty intensely unpleasant, you know? (laughs) Or with an emotion, there'll be an emotion, let's say there's some kind of anxiety, some kind of uh, agitation, some kind of mix maybe with some fear, uneasiness. And then there's, there's a meeting, the capacity to meet this more and more like, oh, this is how it is right now. Sometimes the heart is like this, and sometimes a little bit like that, you know? And this is how it is right now. And more and more available, curiosity about this, expression of life, how life manifests, calm, balance of mind around it, you know. And so this is what is born in the practice that we're doing. This, these are the qualities that are born, very liberating. 
because then I can enter into conflict in a way with somebody with uh, when the attention is wise attention I'll have I'll be able to remember my values oh I really want to respect I really want to hear the other's points of view when I have the other kind of attention these values are out of the window I can't remember that I respect is important for me I cannot remember that I do want to hear the full story from the other side of reality also do you agree with me? Do you see something in that? Yes. So the, the wisdom is not available anymore. So if I'm like, I can't believe they said that, and they're going to get, you know, and let me, and, you know, I'll let them talk, but if they say, you know, like, and the mind is like, like this, you know, uh, oh, that's not helpful for me and for the other. It's not liberating. It's going to create more trouble, you know. And, and so... In the other version, even the we say even the wisdom that is very new, very fragile, with the right kind of attention, it becomes available. Yeah. So you might be saying like, okay, but so how how do you do that? What how do you do that? And so, when we sit regularly to meditate, this is what we want to train. Is so the training that the Buddha talks about is be attentive to the body. You know, in the Oprah interview yesterday, Jack said, I thought this was from Natalie Goldberg, but he said from Annie Lamotte. Anyway, so one of these wise beings, one of them said, um, I think that's the quote that he gave. I have a sudden little doubt in my mind, but anyway, that's an interesting one. Uh, the quote is... Uh, if uh, your trouble, your problems seem more real than the fact that you're sitting, maybe it would be a good idea to start uh, meditating. Yeah. <laughs> and so, this is, this is talking about unfit attention and wise attention. So in one version, I'm caught in my story about what happened and what could have happened and what I would have wanted to happen. And in the other, the f what is fit for attention is... Could you come here in this body and come closer to the senses? <coughs> One of the five, your choice. <laughs> Often it's touch, you know. So at the beginning, I would not have known that. You know, if somebody didn't <coughs> tell me this, like the first time I went to do a retreat, a meditation a retreat, they taught me that uh, it, would it would be a good idea to put the attention on my nose. They, they could have said it would be fit for attention to be aware of your nose, you know, <laughs> the breathing. And I was like, oh, you know, like I thought that the best way to use my attention would be to just think about the plans of next week, you know. But you're suggesting that I should be aware of my nose? That is surprising, but apparently fit for my attention. Let's try. And by being the attention on my nose or belly, I calm the mind. I come in the present moment. There's a unification of the, the mind that is scattered mm -hmm. here, like next week, last week, me, me and my people, how I could be, how I should be, how my mom would like me to be, you know? And it's like, what's actually happening here? There's the rise and fall of the belly. Extremely simple. You would think like, why? Why would you put your attention there? Because by putting your attention there, you come here in this moment, you land here, you learn to be more sensitive, to feel what is actually happening, not what you think should happen, or what you 
were taught that it should happen or whatever. None of this, none of the ideas about the world, but the true meeting with the world. Can you see how we're moving towards what is fit for my attention? So body awareness, for example, very fit for my attention. And maybe it's also not just fit for attention, but in what way? So giving full attention, for example. I can walk from here and go back to the car and have an attention that is superficial. Enough attention not to fall in the steps, enough attention to zip the coat because it's cold, but not the full attention that I can actually feel the cold. Not just feel it for a second and do something about it, but just really feel it or feel the steps as I'm going down the stairs. So in this practice, we're really invited to give full attention of what we do. Not just have enough attention to be able to open the, 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 the car door, you know, grab at the right place the handle or however we call it. You know, like the kind of attention we have usually is just, just enough attention so I can get in the car. But what about feeling the cold of the handle? It's very interesting that this would be fit for my attention more than, you know, how was I perceived or, you know, what's going to happen later when I get home, what's in the fridge over there, you know. But being there, being there, and in any kind of way that one can be there for what is actually happening, yeah. And I'll name just another, a couple of other ways to bring a wise attention. In the practice that we do, one of the, the, the way we go from unfit attention to fit attention is that instead of being driven by my mind state, I become aware, I learn to feel the quality of the mind-heart. So I can be here and plan, 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 plan. And what is that? Is there a little fear underneath of what's coming? Is there ag habitual agitation or drivenness or frenziness? Habitual. And so instead of being attentive to next week and the thing that I have to do, and if I do that, then this won't happen, and I really don't want this to happen, then I become attentive, wise attention. I become attentive to what's happening here, Pascal. Oh, there's agitation. I wake up to it instead of being in the trance of agitation. You know? Will he finish this? <coughs> if you're sitting there, for example, let's say that's your experience. I'm sure no one is experiencing this, but is he going to stop talking? He's been talking for 45 minutes. Is he going to stop talking? Stop, stop talking. He's not getting my psychic. <laughs> he's not, he's, he's talking and talking. The guy is like talking like crazy. So in this practice, wise attention would be, I would become aware like what's happening? Oh, there's impatience. No judgment. No, not allowed. Just kind of factual. What is, oh, there's an experience of frustration or impatience. How does it feel like? Heart beating faster, face hot, something like this, you know? Uh, wanting to move, you know, to stand, you know? And, oh, and in this wise attention, maybe I can say, oh, maybe there's a more, I want to say, economical way to be here. You know, maybe I can actually just feel the breath, relax. Because that impatience is hard, is hard on me. I, with wise attention, I will discover this. 
with unwise attention, I will nurture it. People who talk too long, they're supposed to stop at nine, it's two past nine, you know. And I can feed that easily. So, last, because we could talk about wise attention, you know, for a long time, but the last little bit for me that I really love about this practice, and I, I named it when we arrived tonight, a little bit, is the universal nature of the experience. So in my maybe unfit attention, I'm, I'm calm, I'm so calm, I'm the calmest here, you know, or I'm so agitated, I'm the most agitated here. It's, it's very personal. In the wise attention, it's like, oh, calm, mm -hmm. calm, not personal, but present, calm, let me feel calm. Oh, agitated, agitated, not me, not a description of me, no, it's just nature, the human nature. Calm, agitated, thankful, impatient. Do you see this little switch? It's not, when we go towards wise attention, it's not so personal anymore. It's the human experience. And sometimes, I think they liked it this week up there, I, I, uh, I said, uh, when I sit sometimes, the feeling I have is, um, it's a little bit like if I was visiting different uh, national park. And I sit here sometimes like, oh, National Park of Fear. <laughs> it's a very different uh, topography, landscape, you know, than the, natural, the nat National Park of uh, Calm, the National Park of uh, inadequacy or not belonging or unworthiness. It's a, as a particular kind of rocks <laughs> formations in there. The the benevolence, the kindness, the friendliness in the mind-heart, as I sit here, is a different national park. It has a different texture. I want to learn to know them. And in a way, it's, it's public domain, you know. It doesn't belong to me. It's known in this location, you know. But it's not personal. It's my encounter with humanness, if I can say that. And so, I don't know if you get it, maybe by the tone of my voice also, but this is a way to move into wise attention. Oh, <coughs> loss, loss. Oh, the experience of losing, having lost, being separated from what we want. Such a universal exper experience. To me, it brings, it's liberating, it brings ease in the mind. It brings compassion in the mind, you know. Why me? Very difficult mind state. <laughs> you know? So these few words, right, we could open up to uh, any exploration around that. We have a few minutes. <coughs> Does that talk to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. sir. Uh, yeah, I don't think I can run with... No, I got it right here. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Although if I was Gavin, I would probably be right <laughs> with you, holding your hand. <laughs> this one. It, it, I've tried to pay attention to how I, say, learn and grow. Maybe if I 
It's not Just on. a little closer. Talk louder up there. All right. Good. So now it's okay. Okay. Um, and what's occurred to me in the last couple of years is that it seems to me that the way that I expand and grow is, is by what I call trying something on and um, being open, you know, safe, being able to change. Because really growing, moving from one state to another, I, I suspect somehow has some level of fear associated with it, whether it's conscious or not, usually. Mm. And, um, yeah, so just the being able to bring an idea in, whether it's from somebody else or whether I observe it and just have an idea to try it on and imagine or adopt or become that new yeah. state, right? Yeah. And uh, so it, it strikes me that safety is one kind of fundamental piece and then the ability to observe is also associated with that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really have a question, I was just wondering if you had any yeah. ideas or thoughts yeah. on that. Well, in, in, the, in relation to the teaching tonight, what I, when you say this expression that I like, like trying something on, like to try something on and to see if it fit or it unfit, <laughs> you know, one would have to be very attentive, you know, to see like, let me try this other attitude or this other way to be or this other. And so I, I would have the intention and, and try it. But then what the wisdom would come from what for me? from feeling it from the inside, from being attentive and say, oh yeah, it is actually, in the way that I think about it, it is actually beneficial or liberating, good for me and for the others, or ah, no, unfit, you know. And so this quality of attention that is uh, there. What I like about this so much, I think, is independence. That's what it's talking to me about. I don't have to believe somebody else. I can check it out for myself. And the Buddha kept saying this, pasiko, check it out from yourself. Even I'm going to show you a technique to check out stuff for yourself. You know? The technique is the sustained, <coughs> refined attention atten or generous attention given to what's happening so that you can clarify for yourself what is right and what is helpful and what is not helpful. Yeah? So... I'm tying what you're saying back into the, the teaching from tonight. Thank you. We have a question. Sorry, we have a question right here. Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Pasquale. I, uh, I'm not a Latin scholar, but I like to think of the word humanity as humanitas which is much more refers to that which is human in us rather than humanity as a horde of people who are like-minded and have all kinds of things right with them and all kinds of things wrong with them. But to meditate or focus on what is fundamentally human about a person is to focus on what we all know and what we all don't like, vulnerability. Vulnerability, it seems to me, is the core of uh, humanitas. The other thing is that when we focus on the humility rather than deny it, 
that is an act of love. Uh, in a simpler way of putting it, it's an act of self-love. But I don't like the way that sounds. It is simply an act of love. Your life knows how to do that. It is equipped to do it. Now, with that in mind, everyone here comes here for all kinds of good and proper reasons. Awfully good ones. But we all answer a call. Even if you come here to see a friend or uh, out of curiosity, there is a call. Because you make a choice to come. And where does that call come from? What are we answering? If not that core, that fundamental thing, which is our pure, fundamental humility, or in this case, vulnerability, which translates as humbleness or humility. The other is uh, love, which translates as grace. So uh, I'm trying to be very fundamental about this uh -huh. thing so that we don't get lost in, in uh, you know, presentation and things to do that will make our lives better and all these things. And, and we do have it. We, we can sit down with ourselves and do this. But yeah, it takes the, as you say, the attention, the right attention. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we all have our ways to clarify you know, what's... Uh, why we're here and what is it, certainly what is it to be here? To me it's a really important question. How is it like to be here and what's the best way to be here? With this vulnerability, this sensibility that we have. Yeah, thank you. You had something you wanted to bring? Um, so thank you. This, um, your teaching is useful. Um, I am working with uh, right speech in my practice right now. And so what you're saying with regard to um, the intention, like, okay, what are my focus? Where should I be focusing my attention? This is, is this useful? Comes up a lot for me. Um, but an example that of this right speech is that I'm, you know, confronted with, I'm with family right now a lot more because it's the holidays. And so, and of course, the family triggers all of that. You know, er, I want to just be right. I want to be right, and I am right. And so that comes up. And so instead, right speech for me is silence. Hmm. Right speech for me is often just silence. Um, and so, and what, where I'm curious and would like to hear your thoughts on is, okay, so in the silence, I'm observing where I'm at. So where I'm experiencing this agitation, well, I'm, I'm experiencing, normally it's agitation, um, self-righteousness, <laughs> physical irritation in my stomach, tightness. Mm. Like, I'm experiencing all of these things. This happened just yesterday. So I was with my mother just yesterday, and I'm just trigger, trigger, trigger. <laughs> so I, I remember, I can really understand it and feel it. Um, and then yet, but there's not happiness. There's not ease. Mm. There's not peace. Mm -hmm. Yet those are all of the things that I work on in my life mm -hmm. to achieve. And so I have the presence of experience, but not the happy Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh -huh. 
Can you speak to that, please? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, what I hear is that, you know, when you're in a situation where there's some level of stress like this in a conversation where you're not hearing what you want to hear or it's not happening in the way you want, you know, uh, you bring, so you decide to be silent, that's, that it could be a good choice, you know, depending on how you express it, you know. <laughs> but uh, to me the practice then would be, it's, uh, we were talking about humility, the, I don't get to choose the mind state so much, you know. So if I'm sitting here and the heart is closed or I'm uptight or self-righteous, to me the wise attention that I'm talking about would actually be aware of it instead of in the trance of it. You know, I'm so right, you're so wrong, you know. To say like, oh, what is this mind state? What is this experience right now? And for me, this is the doorway to compassion. Sometimes it's hard to do inaction, but that's why we try to bring, the, we do the regular practice in silence, and we, we try to see how, how we can bring it in the relational also. But with the practice, what I see sometimes, it's not always available, but when the wise attention comes in in a, in a situation like this, suddenly I'll see that I'm all worked up, you know, and all tight and red, and, you know, and I'll feel this and I thought, oh, it's not easy to be Pascal right now, <laughs> you know? Oh, my love, you're not getting what you want. Oh, it's a challenging situation here, you know? Oh, you're freezing or you're boiling or you're, you know? And so I can bring, so that's the, and so I don't become happy per se, you know, but there's a, I find a new way to accompany. So there's a wise attention. So what's the wisest thing to do here? Oh, you're all worked up, you know, it's not going as you want, you know? Bring attention to the belly, do things that, I would do things that are calming, you know? And try to reopen, listen, consider the other, you know, give a chance to the other, you know? Mm -hmm. Things like this, you know? And, and so that would be uh, the, the practice for me at that moment. But it's not that it's going to be suddenly happy and peaceful and fun. And it's, it's the capacity to accompany in the right way, to, to be aware of what's happening, you know. And does that, is that? Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I think what I ended up doing is I just kept on repeating like my phrase of metta to yeah. her as she was speaking. So my listening of what she was saying was... I, I had that going on, then I was just, you know, may you be filled with loving kindness, may you be well, may you be peaceful and at ease, may you be happy. And I just kept on repeating that, and I tried to bring it to me as well. It's like, okay, just let this is what's happening, yeah. this is what's happening, and I'm irritated by what's happening. Yeah. But, you know, I, at some point that you're, I, I'm just, I feel like I'm at a crossroad where I'm just not getting the, there's this happiness that I seek, this ease of being that is not um, <coughs> accompanying the awareness. Yeah. 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 And that's a yeah. challenge. But the, the freedom that we're going to learn to have is the, f the freedom to accept that things are as they are right now. You know? That's the equanimity part, you know. Yeah. And so there's, a, there's one, uh, one person in my life that... Uh, is uh, sometimes difficult for me to be with. And uh, part of my practice is before I see this person, I reflect on this. As a, 
often it's hard for us to be together, you know. So I don't, so just to accept it, oh, so maybe tonight or maybe in this phone call it's going to be hard for us to encounter, you know, and find each other. Maybe it's not going to be possible, you know. Can that be okay, Pascal? Yeah, you know, I'm going to do the best I can, but maybe there's going to be misunderstanding again tonight, you know. And I don't go discouraging, but kind of realistic and caring. And so I see that I enter with a little bit more availability also. And, and you know, and it, for me, the, this question, is it okay that it's like this right now? You know, that we don't understand each other. Is that okay? Yeah, okay, it can be okay for now, you know. I don't know if that... That's actually very helpful. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Okay. Mm. Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, maybe we could just finish, close our eyes if you want. <coughs> and just uh, take a moment to check in the state of the affairs in there. The inner landscape. How is that right now, the f fatigue or the tenderness or whatever is there? Can that be like this just right now? Life manifesting in just this way. And if you want, we could uh, share this uh, wish that uh, the year ends well in the hearts, that uh, we're able to find uh, peace and create some peace around us through our, uh, through, uh, our capacity to meet the moment and be engaged with it, and uh, through the intention of staying balanced. the different turmoils of our lives. May all beings find uh, freedom, be able to offer also some amount of freedom to others. so much thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate